From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this edition, perhaps the most talked about political ideology of 2020 was critical race theory. This uh, this is really what was behind the Black Lives Matter protest uh, over the summer. Uh, then it was exposed that this theory had infiltrated the federal bureaucracy, prompting President Trump to sign an executive order back in September, canceling training, employee training based on the critical race theory. And then scholars from uh, all six Southern Baptist seminaries signed a joint statement saying critical race theory was incompatible with a biblical worldview. So what is critical race theory? What are the goals of critical race theory? What are its origins and why is it incompatible with Scripture? And question we like to ask most often, how should Christians be responding to the promotion and teaching of this theory, critical race theory? My plan is to answer those questions and more on this special edition of Washington Watch. We have two guests with us today. Dave Bratt, former U.S. congressman from Virginia, now the dean of the Liberty School of Business. He will join us a little later. In just a moment, Dr. Owen Strand, professor of Christian theology at Midwestern Theological Seminary, will join us. Let me encourage you as we approach the end of the year, if you would like to participate Partner with us, you can do so by going to TonyPerkins.com. Uh, I'll remind you once again that uh, Washington Watch Family Research Council, we receive no government funds. That's zero. Uh, we are here because of folks like you who want to hear this message and want this message to go out so others can hear it. We have some uh, generous donors that have put together a matching challenge of $1 million. So anything you give between now and December the 31st will be doubled in its effect. So go to TonyPerkins.com. We'd love to have you partner with us. And uh, by the way, if you're on uh, social media, on uh, Parler or Twitter, you can follow me at T. Perkins. All right. Why are we dealing with the issue of critical race theory? Well, I think... As we have seen in this last year, it is uniquely positioned to deceive many Christians. I had no idea how pervasive this theory was, not just in the realm of education, but as the president, uh, by executive order, removed it for the training of the federal workforce, it's Everywhere. Joining me now to uh, to talk more about this, uh, Owen Strand, professor of Christian theology at Midwestern Theological Seminary. He was uh, with us um, a few months back. We talked about this, and it was such a informative conversation that we had. I wanted to wanted to invite him to join us back on. Doctor Strand, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Thank you, Tony. Thanks a lot for having me back on. Well, I, this is a topic that I think is very critical among many topics. But I think the reason for me that it is so important is because I think it runs counter to a biblical understanding and a biblical view of 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 human relations and how we should operate and how we should deal with the problems of our past, such as racism. That's exactly right. Both sides in this conversation, everybody agrees 
that America has major issues uh, in its past, and so many of us uh, hate racism, hate ethnocentrism. Uh, I'm using strong words there, but not too strong. We we look back at past sins, even in Christ's church, tragically, and, and we just recognize there's a lot to learn from. Praise God, America, just as a nation, has made major progress in fighting first slavery and then in vanquishing Jim Crow laws as two major examples of actual policies that promoted racism and ethnocentrism in this country. So America has, has really changed in the last oh, 50 to 60, 70 years, and we give thanks for that. And we need to recognize we still have to fight racism and ethnocentrism today. Sin is in every human heart, so every generation has to pick up the sword afresh and fight against the spiritual sin of racism. And yet our society also, we, we need to say this as well in a secondary way, has made major progress. And though racism and ethnocentrism still veil their ugly heads, still rear up in our society, uh, we actually have made major strides, and we're not in many cases in America today hopelessly divided. But critical race theory tries first and foremost to convince us that we are, and secondly, that anywhere we see differences or disparities between the races, so-called, uh, because race is a construct, it's not something real, uh, we're seeing injustice. We could be seeing injustice, Tony, but we have to think a lot more about this system before we jump to that conclusion. I'm going to make a controversial statement, um, something I don't do very often. Uh, my tongue is in my cheek. Um, <laughs> the, the the reality is, as you pointed out, America is a is a is a nation made up of fallen people. America has never been perfect, but we have dealt with our issues along the way. And I would argue Western civilization has addressed many of these issues, not always gotten it right, but moved along a path toward what was right because of a biblical understanding of creation and the value of individual human beings. I could not agree with you more. And so, weirdly, even though many of us don't necessarily draw a paycheck for defending Western civilization as if there is, you know, such an institution up in the sky, uh, nonetheless, we find ourselves, first and foremost, standing on the word of God, men like you and I do, without apology, without shame. But then, again, in a secondary sense, like you just rightly said, we're ending up also having to delve into both the history of Western civilization and the present state of it. And we're saying at least two things. We're saying, look, we know why things go wrong then and now. Things have gone wrong then and now. But secondly, uh, pretty uniquely in human history, Western civilization, by God's grace, you and I would say, has corrected itself in at least a lot of ways. Not perfectly. The, the work isn't done to fight re racism and ethnocentrism, but major progress has been made. Your average American person, whether they have white, air quotes, skin or not, is not fomenting horrific acts of racism. If they do, they're going to be in serious trouble, and they should be. And so we've made real progress. We have to stay eternally vigilant, 
as, as you and I would say, I believe. And yet we also need to recognize contra critical race theory and wokeness. We've made real progress. Right. And we can we can be thankful for that. Right. Uh, and, and, and here is where we can be detoured away from a path that is leading us toward the society that all want, maybe not as fast as we should or people would want. But yeah. let's talk about the critical race theory. Do you see this as a as a theological theory or construct? It doesn't start out that way. It starts out as a legal theory, really, but you're quite right to identify it as actually making major theological claims. Critical race theory is basically the idea that our world, our society is structured along the lines of race. And just like Marxists used to argue that economic disparities, economic differences show injustice, the fact that there are poorer people out there and the 1% shows you economic injustice. So critical race theorists argue today the fact that there are racial disparities of different kinds reveals deep injustice. So critical race theory comes to us and it says something fundamental about society. It says something fundamental about humanity and certainly about the human condition. It's telling us why things have gone wrong in America. And then it's telling us how things can go right. Uh, critical race theorists like Ibram Kendi at Boston University, for example, say we all have to become anti-racists. And Ibram Kendi tells us that America, contra what you and I just said, has not made major progress in the past. Martin Luther King Jr.'s vision of a colorblind society did, did not make good on its promises, and it was actually really flawed. And so America is actually more uh, racist and in worse circumstances than it used to be. So critical race theory, yes, is a way of seeing the whole world. It's a poisonous ideology, and it trains us both to be divided uh, mm-hmm. according to our skin color, and then also to think that the solution to what ails us is going to come by human means, by becoming, air quotes, an anti-racist. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to resist the urge to chase a rabbit here um, when, when when those who say we are worse off in terms of race than we were 50, 60, 100 years ago, when in fact uh-huh. we've had an African-American president and we just saw elected an African-American vice president um, or a, a, a woman of color, depending on how you want to describe it. But but so I'm, I'm not going to go there because um, uh, I want to stay focused here. It's hard for me, but I'm going to focus, focus. Um, <laughs> Evil never stands still. Critical race theory, in many ways, has given way to intersectionality, which even goes further in segmenting society and further dividing us and building this continuum of of, uh, of minority status where you stack them up. And if you get so many chips, I mean, you're at the top of the ladder of victimization. That's exactly right. Yes, intersectionality is where this all ends up. And in intersectionality, you recognize that there are these intersecting, that's where the term comes from, minority groups that together have been taken advantage of, usually in most cases by white, heteronormative uh, proponents of the patriarchy. And so what needs to happen is society needs to identify anywhere there are imbalances or inequities. So if there, for example, are a lot of uh, thin people, that means that because society is structured along the lines of 
power dynamics per critical race theory and intersectionality, that you're going to have all these thin people who, who use their power against fat people. Now, listeners to your program right now might be thinking we're getting a little impolite here, but this is actually a real discipline in circles of intersectionality, that our culture has fostered a, a wicked culture, uh, a wicked environment of fat shaming, for example. There's a whole discussion we can have about this, but, but intersectionality takes normal human environments and interactions and, again, weaponizes them and poisons them. So your average able-bodied person isn't at all hostile to disabled people. They probably try on a, on a daily basis. No one's perfect, and, and there, there's real sin out there, of course, but generally speaking, as a society, we, we have tried to accommodate disabled people, certainly much more than in, in generations past. But intersectionality says, no, abled people, able-bodied people are everywhere at all times oppressing disabled people just by their existence. Right. And so Tony, these ideologies take normal human interactions and turn them uh, into divisive realities. And there's no individual, I mean, we're all put into these classes. And so everybody, if you're white, if you're, as you use your example, if you're your body size, you all, you fit into one category and you view the rest of the world the same way. Yes. We're not looked at as individuals, which is the way God created us, as unique individuals. That's right. I, I want to continue this conversation. We're up against the break. Folks, don't go away. Owen Strand, my guest, we're going to continue this conversation about critical race theory on the other side of the break. Don't go away. Hey, Matt. Hey, Hannah. What's going on? Why so gloomy? Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it. Oh, yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do? Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it. Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard, but one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out. When did they start? I, I would be so far behind. Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. There's a daily reading just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading. Nice. Where can I find this? Go to frc.org Bible, and you can get started. Where's that again? frc.org Bible. Got it. Checking it out now. In a recent poll... It was revealed that only 6% of Americans hold a biblical worldview. This research also indicated that Christianity's teachings on abortion, marriage, and homosexuality are not only misunderstood, but seen as dangerous and subversive. In response to this trend, Family Research Council has released a new set of resources in our Biblical Worldview series. In addition to our full publications, which cover the topics of Christian political engagement, abortion, religious liberty, and human sexuality, FRC now offers helpful summaries of each publication in this series, as well as accompanying prayer guides to help you and your family pray through these important issues. And finally, our popular biblical principles for political engagement is now available in Spanish. All these resources are free and available at frc.org worldview. Again, that's frc.org worldview. 
Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation by the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain, and explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. To Washington Watch, I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com, and we've got resources there for you. In fact, Dr. Owen Strand, my guest, uh, he has a, a series that he's done, Christianity and Wokeness. Uh, it's on his YouTube channel. I think we're going to try to have a link there at the website, TonyPerkins.com, where you can follow that over. Good stuff. Um, just helping you understand what's going on in the world around us. Uh, I, I, I'm going to move on, Dr. Strand, but before, I, I want to go back just to kind of put a bow on this intersexuality, intersectionality. And if, if I'm reading this right, as I've read through this, kind of studied, uh, this has been around for about, I don't know, the term first appeared, I think about 30 years ago, but it's just really come of age. It was interesting. It really got traction after the Women's March um, in, in, in 2016 in D.C. But mm. Their solution to me appears to be imposing what they say they oppose. Well, I think that's exactly right. In in the <laughs> that's well said. In the interest of being fair, be unfair. If you want a really short summation of where critical race theory goes, where intersectionality goes, where wokeness goes. Wokeness is really the, the gathering term that I use to describe this whole mindset and system and ideology. Here it is. America is set up in an unfair way, or in an unfair way, so in order to make it fair, we've got to be unfair to those who are privileged. That's basically what all of this boils down to. <clears throat> Excuse me, and that isn't really a new idea, Tony. Th this, is, uh, this is what Marxism tries to do and, and gets a lot of traction uh, promoting in the 20th century, and, and different governments use it and oppress citizens based off of it, and there's blood in the streets because of Marxism in all sorts of ways. Suffice it to say that any solution that has <clears throat> that tackles unfairness by making things unfair for others is not a sound system. Well, again, I, I'm going to be controversial here because we've had this conversation around the dinner table with my kids. Uh, we've we've mm -hmm. we've talked about this with my kids, uh, all, all but one are adults uh, of adult age, and we, we've had these conversations about um, you know being privileged. Um, mm -hmm. And the fact that they grew up in a two-parent home where they went to church, they learned about God and, and how to op and, they, and they know him, and they learned how to operate within the parameters of his guidance and direction, 
and so they were in a family that was blessed. That, in the in the broader sense, is what we're talking about when we're privileged. When you look at kids who grow up in a two parent home and have the opportunities that many don't because of choices others made, that in many cases is what we're talking about when we talk about privilege. That's right. And so what you're saying reminds us that you you can have different backgrounds, you can have different skin color, all sorts of things, but you're truly blessed, not if you're rich or not if you have one skin color or something like this, but you're truly blessed if, if you know the Lord or if your your folks know the Lord or these sorts of things. And and so what we should really be saying to people is don't focus on what you don't have. Foc- focus on the wisdom that is afforded us in the Word of God. Focus on how God calls to every individual and every person and every family and, and calls for him to be worshipped. And you just recognize if, if that takes place, if a person trusts the Lord in saving faith, Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. What's going to flow from that is is a wise life, and there's yes. going to be all sorts of blessings that come. So we don't want to train people as Christians to focus on what they don't have. We all we all struggle. We all have trials. Everybody does. We have compassion for those who who don't have different things. I'm, and yet we want to breed a mentality that focuses on tough-mindedness by the grace of God. But it's almost as if the church now has moved into this phase where we want to apologize for the blessings of God. We do. We feel bad for them. And so there's a lot of, quote-unquote, white guilt today, for example. And, and it's just a miserable way to live, Tony. It's a miserable way to live. we got to remember that God gave you your skin color. Okay, Our God is a sovereign God. He gave you your family, whatever your family situation is. He gave you the money that you have that your folks have. The the question is not you feeling tragic about your background. The question is how are you going to live for the Lord today? If we could get people to focus more on that, I think we'd be in a much healthier place. So when you look at America, I mean, we we talked about the blessings that America is to the rest of of the world. I mean, as Americans, should we be saddled with this guilt because, you know, if you're a white American, you were born white, should you be saddled with this guilt that uh, paralyzes you from having any type of impact in the world around you? Fundamentally, no. You should know that God gave you the skin color and the background, the ethnicity that he gave you. God did that. Not not any person uh, in, in a sovereign sense. God made you. God formed you for his glory. God does not call you in the Bible to feel guilty over your skin color or your background or what your grandparents did or your 10th great grandfather did or something like this. Can you look at the American past, for example, and see real evidence of sin? and wrongdoing in it. Yes, you can. You absolutely can. Should you and I learn from that wrongdoing? Yes, we should. Yes, we definitely should. But should we then live in the shackles of the past as if what our predecessors did uh, is this chain around our neck that we can never overcome? No, we must not live that way. We must receive the life God has given us as a gift, and we should seek to love God and love all men as our neighbor. First and second greatest commandment, Matthew 22. We should live a free life, not a victimhood one, and not one that lives in shackles. Uh, Dr. Strand, almost out of time, but what should parents be looking for? Because this is an agenda that is infiltrating classrooms, churches. It's everywhere. 
That's exactly right, Tony. And so I would just say a quick word to fathers and mothers here. I would say be diligent to investigate whether your local Christian school, high school, college, university, seminary, whatever it may be, investigate to see as best you can. Ask an elder in your church, a sound elder, pastor, if you need help to discern this. Is critical race theory, is wokeness, is intersectionality seeping into this place? Is it a sound place to send my children? Because this is ideology. This is a worldview that will take them over, take them captive in a Colossians 2.8 sense. No father or mother can save their child or perfectly protect their child, but we do have the responsibility to shepherd them as best we can. And uh, folks can uh, find out more at your YouTube channel where you've got a series that you've done, a lecture series on this. That's right. It's called Christianity and Wokeness. I did it for Redeemer Bible Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota, just a few months ago. And uh, my prayer is that Christianity and Wokeness will will inoculate many listeners, the next generation in particular, from this. Check it out, folks. We're back after this. Since the 1973 Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision... Congress and many states have taken various actions to stop taxpayer dollars from funding abortions or the abortion industry. As early as 1976, Congressman Henry Hyde led the effort to ban federal funding for abortions. The Federal Hyde Amendment, named after him, established the principle that abortion is not health care and therefore taxpayers should not be forced to fund abortions. Despite these efforts, the abortion industry still receives millions of dollars each year in taxpayer money. In 2019, Planned Parenthood, America's largest abortion provider, received $616.8 million in government funds. Family Research Council's newly updated pro-life map tracks how your state has taken action to stop taxpayer funding of abortions. Go to frc.org slash pro-life maps to see where your state stands in the fight for life. That's frc.org slash pro-life maps. Oh, man. What's wrong? I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today. Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day's show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah? Yep, you can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed, so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow, I definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org slash app and download, or search Stand Firm in the App Store. Okay, that's Stand Firm. Yep, Stand Firm. How do you know all this? Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story. Huh? This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host, and uh, we're squeezing every second out as uh, we, we took uh, Owen right up to the uh, the break there. But I do encourage you to check out his YouTube channel, uh, some really informative uh, lectures he gives on this issue. It, it's an important from a biblical perspective that we analyze these things. That's what we talk about when you have a biblical worldview. You look at these things from a biblical perspective, and we're finding this critical race theory is incompatible 
with a biblical worldview. Now, it doesn't mean that there's not some truth in it. As we said, we, we have a history of some issues. But how do we overcome them? Their prescription is uh, stands in contrast to what the Scripture says. And, you know, we need to continue to contend for the truth and move our nation and our society to a place where each and every human being created in the image of God, that includes born and unborn, is welcomed into our world and protected under our laws equally. Well, I want to continue this conversation, speaking of that, from a policy standpoint. How is critical race theory manifesting itself in uh, the, in our public policy today? And, and how do we counter it? Well, I couldn't think of anyone better uh, to talk with us about that than our good friend Dave Bratt, former U.S. congressman from Virginia and now the dean of uh, Liberty University School of Business, my alma mater. Dr. Bratt, welcome back to Washington Watch. Hey, Tony. Merry Christmas to everybody. Thank you. Well, Merry Christmas uh, to you as as well. Now, you know, you see this, we've talked before from an economic standpoint about Marxism and, and, and how that's making its move on our society today and our yep. public policy. But let's talk about this critical race theory. How is it manifesting itself in our public policy? Yeah, well, it, it's kind of a deep answer. I'd recommend uh, Alan Bloom's Closing of the American Mind. I'll, and I'll share some of the basic thought there. But at, at the core level, the, the basic policy is that democracy itself is under attack. And so I just heard your comments about the past person you were talking with, the scholar. And you're right. Uh, the critical race theory is incompatible with the Christian worldview and belief system uh, for many reasons. So at, at the beginning of the Enlightenment, right, uh, the, the Enlightenment thinkers tried to rationalize and secularize Christianity as a compromise. And Christians went along with that. And we got the Constitution and democracy and all that. Everybody knows those are roughly secularized versions of Christian Christian uh, ideas that were brought to bear. And, and Christians were naive and innocent and gullible and went along for the ride. And so our political theory was built on a handshake between Christians and the secular culture. Well, then Nietzsche comes along and destroys uh, rationality, the Enlightenment project, and produces the modernity that we're living in right now with, with nihilism, right? God is dead, etc. And out of that combination of Marxism and Nietzsche, you get this critical race theory stuff. They, they know that they don't want to go down the democracy road when it comes to policy. Uh, it's not bearing fruit. It's not working fast enough. And so the the next rung is is not only the Marxist revolution, but the Maoist continuous revolution. And so that's what you're feeling out there. Uh, if you think the world is uh, uh, hanging by a thread, you're correct. As Christian, it's been attacked every which way. Democracy, rationality, higher education. Uh, and then culturally, the, the huge issue with the Enlightenment is uh, reason cannot produce ethics. And only God can. And, and re Nietzsche was great on this, by the way, right? Nietzsche knew right. that the Enlightenment was dead. That's why he had to get rid of God. Said, yeah, and, and he said God is dead not as a cynical leftist, right? He wasn't trying to be petty or a cheap shot. He was saying European Christianity in its full essence is dead. And he was correct. It's shot. Now the question is, in this great country, is it shot? Or is there going to be a reawakening of the American Christian mind to save the day? And will we spread the good news this Christmas in a serious way 
uh, to save our souls and to save the country by doing so. And so, yeah, at a policy level, everything's in play. Uh, culture is key, and the critical race theorists know that. The culture drives society, right? Everything else is a function of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get rationality if you're lucky, and you get free markets if your culture. We used to have a Protestant culture. Right. And even Marx, right? He, he gave the full trappings of God, of our Judeo-Christian God, into history. He just he, he got rid of God. He said, God, I, I, we don't believe in God, but <clears throat> history is working its way out. Well, even that was just the, you know a secularized version of Christianity. He, he was not a deep philosopher. And so we're just riding out that way. Everybody ought to go read Bloom, that closing American mind about the end of higher ed. And boy, he laid it out just perfectly, and all of that's in there. So, uh, Dave, we're almost up against a break, but let me ask you this quite a very pointed question. Can American, our republic, democracy, if you will, our constitutional republic, can it survive absent of a vibrant Christian faith presence in the public square? Um, it can hang on and, 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 and give the last gasp, but Bloom frames it like our founders did, right? Our founders gave wide latitude to religious belief, but the core was, I believe, in absolute truth claims, period. Absolute truth, most clearly seen in natural law and rights language. If we all agree that that's the common good, you can allow a wide latitude of religions, et cetera, and views. If you all hang on those human rights uh, tenets as a given, as absolute truth and non-negotiable. But now, of course, Marx obliterated that, and the left uh, doesn't care about human rights at all, right? The, the fact that they have, if you go to the United Nations right. uh, or the World Bank and look at the list of human rights, they're infinite. Yeah. And when something's hey. infinite, that means you don't have any whatsoever. Hold it right there, Dave. We're gonna we're up against a break. We're going to come back, finish our conversation with Dr. Dave Bratt right after the break. Folks, don't go away. We're back with more Washington Watch after this. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday on over 800 radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Representative Vicki Hartzler, Molly Hemingway, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Dana Lash, Sissy Graham Lynch, Pastor John MacArthur, Eric Metaxas, Albert Moeller, and more. Tony is joined by leading political figures, pastors, and policy and culture experts who will inspire you to be engaged and informed on the important issues facing America. For a Christian perspective on the news of the day, tune in to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com. Are you looking to grow closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ and in your knowledge of God's Word? Family Research Council has a three-part series titled, Three Ways to Read the Bible. This series shares helpful ways to be encouraged and directed by God's truth by observing the text of the Bible and applying it to your life. There is no better time than now to get to know God through His Word by looking into the Bible to see what it says about itself, God, and humanity. There's no better time than now to begin devoting time to the Lord and to seek out His meaning for you. This blog series is a great primer on opening your eyes and heart to Him through the Bible amid the toils and troubles of today. 
check out this helpful resource and learn how to read the Bible with not just your eyes, but with your heart and mind as well. To learn more, visit frcblog.com slash ways to read. That's frcblog.com slash ways to read. What's on your daily or weekly reading list? Are you looking for honest and informative commentary from fellow believers on the current issues facing our culture? Family Research Council has just the thing. Check out FRC's blog at frcblog.com. The content on our blog is written by our policy experts as well as outside contributors. On our blog, you can read about a wide variety of topics, including religious liberty, life, marriage, family, sexuality, public policy, and the culture. Read up on some of our latest titles like Four Disturbing Trends in Religious Freedom Worldwide, Legitimizing Looting Jeopardizes Liberty for All, The Media Still Doesn't Get It, Conservatives Tend to Vote Conservative, and more. At Family Research Council, our mission is to advance faith, family, and freedom in the culture by helping you live out your faith and to stand for truth. Our blog is here to help you do that. Stay informed and get the resources you need at frcblog.com. Perkins, and this is Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on Twitter, it's at T. Perkins. My guest, Dr. Dave Bratt, former U.S. congressman from Virginia, now the dean of Liberty University School of Business. Okay, we left it off at the break. So without this understanding of objective truth, some foundation, and it Natural law, whatever, however you want to define it. it, it's it's all rooted in the moral law of God. But without that, without some understanding of that, can our society survive? No. And uh, as Bloom starts out his book, if you go to modern universities, liberty is, of course, the great exception. But if you ask any student uh, on any university across the country, uh, the one absolute they believe in these days. Uh, is that there are no absolutes. Now, how can you right? do that? So, how, how can yeah. you be absolutely sure that there are no absolutes? Right. And that, it's a contradiction, right? And so then that's, that, that was all set up coming out of the 60s, et cetera, when, when the West clearly was the best. The, the liberals sent out their anthropologists and sociologists and historicists across the world and uh, in, in, in pursuit of the idea that other cultures are equal to or surpass uh, the goodness of the United States of America, uh, because, you know, this, this capitalist Protestant thing is abhorrent to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're aghast that all the scientific results show the exact opposite. Our poor are richer than any right. poor anywhere in the world. Right. Uh, though the, our minority groups are blessed with rights and protections beyond comprehension. Uh, not known anywhere else in the world. So the science uh, disproved their case, and then they came back and they had no recourse but to destroy social science. And so that's why sociology and anthropology and all that stuff right now is, is almost a laughing stock, and they've replaced it with this identity politics. And that's the practical outgrowth of the failure of leftist social science. They no longer pretend to do science. Uh, and they just do this critical race theory, put everyone in different buckets and build political alliances to shape the culture. Uh, and then they buy off the mainstream media. They get together with Hollywood. Uh, they write in all the magazines and articles and they, they dominate culture. 
and the Christians don't know what hit them, right? The Christians uh, are just very decent, honorable, respectful people that have always just lived out the basic Judeo-Christian values of loving your neighbor and respecting those in power, respecting those in authority. And uh, now we better take a good look because uh, the, the people are the sovereign, uh, but if 51% of those people aren't uh, in the Judeo-Christian tradition anymore, we're going to have some serious problems coming up. Well, let, let me let me let me ask you a question because you talk about you know the the those Christians out there, good folks, just kind of uh, don't know what hit them. But is a part of that, and I, I'm not one given to conspiracies, okay? But I do think there is uh, you know, there is not human conspiracies, but I think uh, evil is at work. Uh, and there is yeah. there is one behind the evil. His name is Satan. I know people don't yeah. like to recognize that, but the scripture is very clear about that. He is an entity. Um, yeah. The media has been force feeding, uh, spoon feeding, I should say, this, you know, all the stuff you just described. We've lost the ability, I think, to critically think. And so yeah. we, we don't analyze this stuff and see this is illogical. It doesn't line up with the facts. It's like I think without it, critical race theory would not be able to get root in our churches and in the broader society if we could critically think. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's right. Even, even some of the churches are accepting this stuff on the liberal premises that, hey, it, you know, these folks are fighting for something. They believe in an ideal. Right. And they're fighting for it. Uh, and. uh the Christian church has become, in many cases, very weak, and we're not showing the kids that we have an ideal that we're fighting for. And uh, the early church certainly fought for it, <laughs> and the opening century, and then the, the medieval period certainly fought for it, and they had to protect the texts and hide the Bibles in caves. And then the uh, the Renaissance, they fought for it, and the Enlightenment, I mean, the Reformation was a fight. Uh, in the, the the opening of the nation state and the Treaty of Westphalia, it's been a fight the whole way. And that for some reason, uh, modern Christians we have gotten very lackadaisical, and we are just resting on our laurels and taking advantage of all that's been handed to us—the wars that have been fought, the freedoms we've been given—and we're not fighting anymore because that's considered mean. Right. And the theology is off base too, right? The, the Christology is way off. The Trinitarian. View his way up. It's it's all the Son, uh, and it's no Father, no no Holy Spirit, and there's certainly no law in the prophets. And it's been shaped by liberal theorists. For you, Jesus is a nice ethical man who was always nice to people, and, and etc. Uh, there's no God the Father. He was the mean one. Uh, the, the the law and the prophets are outdated, and that is not uh, Orthodox Christianity. And if the preachers don't start getting back to it. Uh, we've lost uh, the substance of, of what the Christian faith is all about. So, Dr. Day, Brett, let's make this very practical in our uh, our remaining time together. I mean, you are on the campus of Liberty University. As you pointed out, it's unique among universities, largest evangelical university yep. in the world. I'm a graduate. My undergraduate degree is, is from there. Um, so how, practically speaking... What are the steps going forward as believers in this country who, number one, you've just outlined everything that's against us, the popular culture, the media, you've got education, you've got politics. All of this stuff is moving in the opposite direction of of truth, uh, of logic. I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're now saying that, you know, you can decide what your gender is. You know, you can just pick it, uh, whatever you want want it to be. I mean, this is illogical. So yeah. how do we contend with that? 
Well, there's got to be a, a great awakening that throws us back on the Word of God, right? And so, you know, everybody goes to Romans 13, submit to the authorities. Well, that, that you know, no one realizes we are the authority. In our Constitution, we the people are the authority. And so you still got folks in the church that say, well, there's a separation of church and state. No, no, no. Not under this system. You, you are the church and you are the state, right? You have a responsibility uh, to fight for your governance. And at the local level, you have a right to fight for your local school board uh, and ensure that this isn't that, right? The school board mm-hmm. usually five right. people. Right. And there, you saw the red map across the, you know, in the last election. Uh, the vast bulk of the geography is red. And those are all, you know, hopefully semi-conservative school boards that, that can be reshaped to fashion life in, in, in back toward the scripture and the, and the good life. And so, but we've got to be active. Every single person has to play their part. You can't just say, I go to work and then I go to church on Sunday. Uh, God puts you here all seven days a week to work for his kingdom. And uh, if your job isn't serving his kingdom in some way, well, then something's off there. Well, that goes back to, I think, what you made reference to, if I recall, about the Protestant ethic yep. Uh, yep. that, that uh, every aspect of our life was given in worship to God and that includes our work uh, as the scripture says whatever you do eat or drink do unto the glory of God so th- this would require that we counter this narrative that's out there we stand up for yeah. the truth and i think this is you know this is what i've tried to explain to reporters who've asked me why why do evangelicals support president trump and i've tried to explain it is because he has stood up to this cultural push that is counter to everything that American tradition has stood for what biblical truth has stood for, and you know he's been he's been hammered for doing it, but he has stood up to them, and he's doing what so many Christians feel like they should do, but have not right. had the courage to do. Yeah, that that's well said. I, they they know the Christians know deep down he is fulfilling right. He he has exposed the FBI is corrupt. Uh, the CIA uh, was was is still totally corrupt. The deep state is real. It's not uh, the deep state anymore. It's in your face. And the churches, we all get hung up on justification over and over. We all, all we debate is salvation, right? That's hugely important. Yeah. Uh, but I think we're all agreed on it, right? In, yeah. in Christ, there's salvation. He died for our sins. But then uh, God put us here on this earth for a reason. And it, we need to work together as the church and build the kingdom every day, all day. And that is not happening. The left has been systematic since the 60s. They took over every institution in this country. They own the World Bank. They own the United Nations. They own Davos. They own all the big six uh, in, information firms, right? The big tech six firms have more market cap than all of the European markets put together. They're all run by leftists. The left has bought and owns and runs everything. And Christians are just, they're not even on defense. They don't even know they're at war. China's declared war against us on paper. The American citizen on the street and in the church doesn't know this. The church, God made us with a mind, uh, in, in, in his own image, a mind so great. And we have wasted and squandered the mind God's given us. And it's time for the church. We need to outflank and out-educate and out-know 
what the left knows because it's 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 pablum. It's shallow. It's deep as a wading pool. We have a much deeper, richer tradition, and our kids are not getting it. And uh, we've all got to do better on that front. Okay. Well, let's get very practical here, Dr. Bratt, as we move into 2021. 2020 has been a challenging year, probably one of the most challenging our country has faced in, uh, in over a century, if not more. What are two? Give me two practical steps for the believer who is listening to this, who intuitively knows he needs to be, he or she needs to be doing something, uh, but feels overwhelmed by what is happening in the world in which we live. What can they do? Yeah, well, the first two, and these are all my own views, right? I don't speak on behalf of any institution when I say it, but number one, you got to go fight a church and get in a church body and be a part of that community. And then secondly, on Saturday mornings, uh, your political party probably has a, a breakfast. Uh, you need to go to those meetings on, on Saturday mornings or Wednesday night or whenever they meet. And you need to start seeing how uh, to operationalize the politics, because in that room, you will have the school board folks and you'll have the state delegates, the state senators, and maybe your U.S. congressman pops by once in a while. Uh, but those are two concrete steps. You take action and you become part of an entity uh, which is greater than yourself. Mm-hmm. We cannot, we're not just a bunch of individualized automaton Christians uh, separate from each other. Right. We're in the body of Christ, and we're the body politic. And then from there, you start sharing with each other, and you spread it like crazy, like, like your life depends on it, and the national life depends on it, and the life of the church depends on it. And you build up that church, and then you build up that polity. And those are two steps right off the bat. All right, let me give, uh, let, let, if I will, give me the latitude, since it's my program, uh, yeah, to, right. to, 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 to leapfrog and put one above those two. And you made yep, reference good, good. to this. You made reference to this earlier. So I'm only I'm only uh, emphasizing what you said. <laughs> it, 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 it is the word of God. If we're to have yeah, revivalist, yeah. God, we've got to return to the word of God and to his truth. Yeah. And so I think so that we have a foundation. And it's and you talked about we have we have a deep source of truth, but we have to be exposed to it. We have to read it. And when right. we, when we systematically read the word of God, we begin to see how to how out of sync the world around us is, but we also, as we're anchored to it, we have a hope and a calm assurance that the Lord is, you know, I I don't use this flippantly because it makes me mad when people say this because they use it to shirk their responsibility, that God is in control. He is in control, but he gives us the ability to shape our present experience by either obedience or disobedience. And, And I think it builds courage when we know that there are those that have gone before us that overwhelmed with opposition, living in a hostile environment, have stood faithfully for the truth, and God has moved in a powerful way. Yeah, no, that that's right. This is still salvageable. You see the red on the map, and it's not partisan, right? This is about just adherence to the Judeo-Christian tradition, the Constitution, a pro-business mentality. And uh, what you just said is key. Christians have to be part of this. We have to get educated. Uh, go read Paul Tillich's uh, church history. If you have heresy, uh, heresy shows up in public life. Yes. And God is in charge, but God was in charge when he sent the Israelites into the desert for 400 years. Yeah. Right? Just because God is in charge doesn't mean things go well for you. Exactly. If we don't perform and do our part of the duty that God has given us, 
Uh, that's us. That's our back. We've Absolutely. turned around. We've turned our back on God. God's sitting right there for us every day. Yes. He loves us. He sent his son for us. Uh, but if we turn our back on him, that's our move. And he's warned us. He's made it yep. very clear. Plenty, and, plenty. And we've seen that repeated over and over. Uh, Dave Bratt, as always, great to uh, to talk with you. Thanks so much for taking time out to join us today. Yeah, thanks for your leadership, Tony. God bless you, and Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Get to church and get the kids in there with you. All right, uh, take care. We look forward to talking with you next year. Great. God bless, Tony. All right, Dr. Dave Bratt from Liberty University, Dean of the School of uh, Business there. Look, as we approach this new year, you know, if you're troubled by what you see happening around you, as what you saw in 2020 disturbed you, it's time to, to begin preparing. You know, I, I take time away every uh, year before the beginning of the next year just to, to go away and pray and plan and see what the Lord would have me to do in the coming year. And I would challenge you, if you've not been leading your family in a time of uh, study and devotion in the Word of God, this would be a great year to start. And we've got a uh, two-year through the Bible reading program. We're into our second year, but you can join right there. Go to frc.org slash Bible or go to TonyPerkins.com. All right, folks, thanks so much for joining us. As always, great to talk with you. Thank you for, uh, for listening to Washington Watch. Share the program with others. Share the app, the Stand Firm app, or the website. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul, found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, prepared, and taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.